We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R with a blue check next to it. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206. And that C Kid 206. We're coming another late night episode because the Seahawks got flexed into primetime. Uh, they just don't care about us in the league office with our bedtimes. Uh, but anyway, the Seahawks lost in the desert. You guys already know. You watched it. You're probably recovering from a hangover because of it. 37 34 to the Cardinals in overtime. Seahawks are unbeaten no more. They fall to 5 and 1. Still atop the division because they're up uh, in the loss column on the Cardinals. Uh, but there's. there's there's a lot to dissect from the game, and we got somewhat of a time limit on here. We're not going to talk for three hours. But, Chris, I think for me it comes down to two things, or one concept broken into two parts. The defense lost the Seahawks the game. Russell Wilson cost the Seahawks the game. That's like, and let, me, let me explain. We'll start, we'll start. Russ or defense? Man, let's just get Russ out the way. Okay. So what I mean by that is Russ costing, right? So I let me preface this discussion. I do think it's unfair to ask your quarterback to be Superman every week, right? Like that should not be what it is. Let Russ cook doesn't mean like let Russ cook and ask him to be Hercules, right? That's just not how this works. Even if he's capable of it, that's not what your plan should be. I'll, I'll get that out the way first. That said... You just can't turn the ball over in those situations. You just you just cannot. You just cannot. Like look at where his turnovers happened. They happened in places where they were in position to score. Turn it over on the goal line. Big no-no. Right? We were looking at uh, Ben Baldwin's uh, advanced box scores before we hopped on. That was the biggest expected points added swing of the game. You go from your own, what was it, two-yard line to the other team's eight-yard line. That is a huge swing. Ultimately, it didn't cost him because DK Metcalf is Hercules. Um, he just happens to wear Nikes, um, but it's still a bad play. The other one is is bad. I think they're in enemy territory, right? Yeah, they're in the red zone, and he just chucked it. I up. don't know if they're in the. Ooh, they I don't know if they're in the okay, red you know zone. They were right outside of it. Yeah, they're probably around the thirty, if I'm not mistaken. And I think Russ 
miscommunicated with DK. Yeah, he did. Russ thought he was going up, and DK broke it off. And then, yeah. But, again, it's a place where they could have scored points. Yep. And then the over- overtime interception is just what you cannot do. Right? Like, let's uh, let's pull up the box score from the overtime interception. Because the reason that I say cost is because you got to manage the game. That's why I think the term game manager is really stupid. Because game, man- game managing is what the quarterback is like actually tasked with doing and it should not be used as an insult right so you're at the you have the ball with a minute and four left um let's see yeah a minute and four left at your own 48 yard line i think arizona only has one timeout it's a tie game so russ throws a pick and they end up taking it back to the seahawks 49 right so now they have the ball at the seahawks 49 with 57 seconds left they only need what uh 19 yards to be in yeah position be, for and a I'm field pretty goal. sure they held on to their timeout uh, as well. Yeah. They did. They did hold on to their timeout. Because his first play was to DeAndre Hopkins to the left for that 9-yard gain. Yeah, and then they, and then they about. ran three they ran four more plays and then um they ran five more plays actually use their timeout and kick. So the reason the interception in overtime is so crucial is because even if Russ just takes a sack Let's say he takes a sack and it's a six-yard sack loss, right? So they they're kicking, they're punting from their own 42. Let's say Arizona burns the timeout. So instead of uh, turning it over with a minute for 57 seconds left, let's say you're punting with 57 seconds left. Let's say the punt takes eight s- seconds. Eight se- little, let's say five. No, no, you're right. Hang time, eight seconds, right? So now you're down to about 49 seconds, and where are we gonna land this punt? To 15 to be generous, 10 or 15. Let's say he booted into the end zone for a so touchback. T- okay, so touchback, touchback, right? So you got touchback um, with about 47 seconds left. They have to go, let's say, let's give them a target line of about the 35. So they have to go, look at all this math I'm doing here. This is good. I haven't messed up yet either. So they got to go 30 plus 15 is 45 Don't yards. Look at me. They got to go. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. They got to go about 45 yards. In about 47 seconds with no timeout. I wouldn't be shocked if they did it, but continue. They could, but that's a <laughs> lot harder than having to go 19 yards yeah. in uh, however much time they want. 57 seconds with yeah, a timeout. Right, with a, with a timeout. So they would have had to go further with with without a timeout to work with. So they would have had to play the sidelines. Basically couldn't use the middle of the field at the, where, they really, where they really wanted to unless they were getting huge, huge chunks or somebody missed a tackle. So I think... When Russ threw the interception in overtime, it basically it took away the option of of winning the game, right? No, how did I explain it to you? This in the car. What did I say? They they weren't gonna win, obviously, but at the very least, just, they were not gonna was, lose. It was a if point he, swing. If he, if he took was, a sack, they were gonna they were gonna at least the, tie. The probability for the Seahawks losing that game wasn't as high as it was when he took. That when he had that interception, yeah, had he taken the sack, the probability swings to a. This goes in the overtime, and now we're back at square one. But because he got an interception, the probability just went. Oh, well, now the Seahawks probably going to lose this game because they're going to go down and attempt this field goal, which is kind of exactly what went down. Yeah, yeah, okay, I got it. Now. But yeah, okay, so yeah, here's how here's how I want to word it so everyone got it. When Russ threw that pick, um. Like anything other than a pick right there, and chances are it's a tie. Anything other than a pick. Well, obviously a fumble, too. would have been bad. But anything other than a turnover by Russ, you're probably just going to tie. 
right? At worst is a tie. The worst case scenario in that there is a tie. You can still win too, because depending on, let's say it was like third and fourteen, let's say they picked up some yards and went for it or whatever. But uh, interception there, it's like okay, you have brought losing back into the equation. At that point, losing really wasn't in the equation. You brought it in there, Russell. I mean, by throwing an interception, right? And at it, what makes it even worse, it was an interception that also got returned. Like it wasn't like he just launched it into the uh, deep and they had to bring it back deep. Yeah, as a return for twelve yards. Yeah, so it's like you did all the wrong things there. The only thing worse would have been yeah, like fumbling in the backfield and getting scooped up. Um, so that's why I say cost because we can't give the credit to Russ and DK. Like in the Minnesota game, where they the last play of the game, they literally go win it, right? Yeah, you get the credit there, but then you also get the blame if you come up short. And Russ even said it after the game. He's like, that's my fault. Yeah, I need to play. But he didn't point nothing else because he couldn't. He said, we played a great game other than three plays. Which three plays was he talking about? All of his. When he threw the ball to the other team. Went full Jameis Winston on him. <laughs> that, for real, this was a Jameis game. Was it not? Isn't it not a Jameis game? For Russ's standards, man, it's incra- It's crazy that he has a game like this, but he can't be perfect every night. No, and, he can't be. And ten, and on Sunday night, it, it came out. It, he had a bad night. He had miscommunication. Yep. He read plays wrong. Yep, yep. It just happens. And it happened on Sunday night on a stage against another quarterback who is making a name for himself. Oh, yeah, Kyler, Kyler good. Murray. Kyler was good. Four touchdowns today? He's good. I think – it's safe to say Kyler Murray was the better quarterback on Sunday Night Football. Um, yeah, probably. Probably it's it's real it's real real tight. But yeah, I think so because I think Ty- Kyler was kind of like the the pick he threw to Quandre Diggs. What was that? I think it just sailed. I yeah, mean, it, was, he threw it and it slipped. He knew it immediately. He's like, God dang it! I just let it get out of, just let it go. But yeah, yeah back to Russell. It wasn't his best night and. He's already excited for the next matchup. He wants to play tomorrow. I mean, he said that in the post game. <laughs> I want to play tomorrow. I, mean, I got to wait a week. But, and that's the competitive spirit. I mean, he knows he played bad. We don't need to harp on him struggling what he did tonight. You touched on it. The fact that, you know, those three turnovers cost them an opportunity to win the game. And I don't even think necessarily. Th- so the three did cost him for sure, the three but turnovers. Can, the last one is really where it just, you, he took, he brought losing back into the equation. When it By the time they crossed midfield, I thought. I was like, okay, once they cross midfield, they're not going to lose the game. Yeah. I very much thought a tie was possible because I, you know, to be honest, when when the kicker for the Cardinals missed, I'm thinking, oh, Steelers about to win this game. But oh, then, everyone was. But then I started to realize what the Cardinals were doing. I mean, they shout out to their defense because they really had Russ guessing on what was coming. The first play, well, not the first play, the first time they were able to stop them on third down before overtime in the fourth quarter. They sent that corner blitz, and Russ wasn't expecting that. Russ was thinking they're coming up the middle. He had no idea. They were doing a really good job. Vance Joseph, that is, defensive coordinator, was doing a fabulous job of mixing it up and having Russ trying to guess where it was coming from. I mean, you tweeted out when DJ Dallas just completely missed it. Well, the protection was wrong. He didn't know where the— where the guys were coming from, it was a formation they haven't seen defensively. They had everybody on the line of scrimmage, and you're trying to pinpoint who's actually blitzing. That's really challenging to do unless you've been studying film and you have it keyed, I know this guy's coming, and they just called it wrong, and Russ got sacked. I mean, those are the little things that can change a game, and you got to give credit to the Cardinals' defense. They were able to flush the Russ and make him uncomfortable for the most part. And I think they did a really good job of that in the fourth quarter and in overtime because that last interception that he threw – to Isaiah, 
What was the last name? Isaiah Simmons. Simmons. Their first-round pick. Yep, Isaiah Simmons. That play was terrible yeah, because that was, that was if you watch the replay, Tyler Lockett's running across the field, and the ball is going to the right. <laughs> Yeah, there was, wasn't good. There was, I don't even know if Ty, Ty didn't even know the ball was thrown. He was probably, you know, oh, I'm going to get open. Russ is going to see me. Interception. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. I, w- I just looked up Vance Joseph, uh, defensive coordinator for the, the Cardinals. I wanted to see when he started because I was going to see, like, how he's been doing against Russell. And so what I've gathered is um, he was the defensive coordinator in 2016 when the Dolphins played the Seahawks, I think week one of the 2016 season, they beat them like 12 to 10. This is before we started working. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It was a really <laughs> ugly game. It was it was September 11th is where, where I remember the game. A, Russell got hurt, and then B, that was the first game after Kaepernick took a knee. And got it was it, September okay. 11th, so it was a lot of hype. That's the game they locked arms. Whatever. So there's a defensive coordinator there, and I think the Seahawks were like 10 points. Pretty sure. that was uh, If I have that right, we can look it up later. So then he's the head coach of the Broncos. 2018... They go there. He they sack Russ six times. I remember that yeah, game. Yeah, that's uh, week one of twenty eighteen. They lose there. He's defensive coordinator last year for these guys, um, but uh, they didn't have Patrick Peterson. I think he last was hurt, suspended. Excuse suspended me. For, he, he was on the juice. Yeah, yeah, so he doesn't have Patrick Peterson the first game. So they they end up losing like twenty seven to ten. The offense scored twenty points because Clowney had to pick six in that game. So, uh, but no Pat Pete. So it's a little hard to judge. The next time they play the Seahawks, they beat the snot out of them, and Russ plays terribly. DK doesn't have a catch. That was week 16. And so you got this time, yeah. It's not like Vance Joseph is like the Russell whisperer because he <laughs> had 500 yards of offense. Like, dude ain't just fixed the code. No. However, he just, like, timely stuff. Like, he's yeah. figured out something that these guys can't consistently figure out. Right, so I do think there may be something there. Like this is not to say Vance Joseph has figured out Russell. He has not. He has I, not the, it's not, he's not Jeff Fisher. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Jeff had just figured out the whole organization. But I think he had the place bugged. But, like it. It was really crazy how good Jeff Fisher was with bad teams, specifically against uh, the Seahawks. So I mean, I don't want to make it seem like uh, the whole game was Russell's fault. But like I said, it's two parts. Mm. A is Russ. B is the defense, or, oh, or, or A is the defense, B is Russell. Like you, whichever one, I think it's like, like I said, they cost him, they lost it. Russ cost it, and now to the defense, Chris. This is gonna take us a little bit. How much time we got? We got, we need a lot here. We, we let's roll, man. We, we 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 need a lot here because clear my throat here. Gather this thought. Take a breath, Chris. I have a hot take. The defense is bad. <laughs> I I mean it's crazy because. It really starts with the PR, and that is the pass rush. And I don't I rem- even know if it starts there. Does it, it start there? I think it does at this point because we it's proven that you know the DBs back there that you have. Unfortunately, Shaquille Griffin goes out with an injury concussion. Yeah, he's not able to turn the game yeah. because if he's on the field, I'm unsure of what happens on certain plays. It, we just don't know. He's not right. out there. Right. But for the most part, not having a pass rush and allowing Kyler Murray to feel comfortable in the pocket, not being disruptive or being disrupted, right? it just allows for guys to make plays downfield. And ultimately, we what we witnessed on Sunday night was Kyler just being comfortable and doing whatever he wanted. That's so easy to be comfortable when you ain't getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it. it's really tough for your DBs to, to make plays when you're back there and no one's getting pressure on the quarterback. I mean, you're you're basically a sitting duck. You're you're trying to anticipate this play, that play, but ultimately, can you? Are you comfortable enough with jumping this route 
Because if you miss it, now you're screwed because, A, there's not going to be pressure on the quarterback. So now you're going to – if the quarterback decides to roll out left or right, you're in no man's land. I mean, how many times did we see Kyler Murray make something with his feet, make plays with his feet? And he ran 14 times. So 14. There you go. Uh, yeah, 14. And that – go. I mean, what I did like was the fact that they brought in Shaquem to do a little bit of spy, and that really helped. That slowed it down. The only problem was there's still no pass rush. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's the, so here's the there's a few things I'm gonna dissect here, but I want to piggyback off of your point about the the Shaquem package, um, because effectively what's going on there, and I had the the benefit of uh, watching this game, the the feed that I was watching it on was the all 22 footage, so I can see everything. So when they have Shaquem in the game, what they're doing is spying. Sha- they have him on the edge, one of the edges doesn't really matter which one. Um, and then he drops, yep. right? So you have three on five, like usually like Jay Reed, Alton Robinson, and like some combination of Mayo or Demontre Moore or something like that. So you got three rushers on five. We got bad right there. But they're thinking, okay, we'll get the three and then get him out of the pocket. Shaquem's there yes. to bottle anything up. And, and then on the back end, they were playing a, a little bit of a dime look. So you had Ryan Neal, Demarius Randall, um, Quandre, Dunbar, Trey, and um, Ugo all in, and then Bobby's the only linebacker in there. He, they're all dropping, right? So that was what they were doing. Okay, they should stop doing that because that I've never liked the dime look. I just never, never really have. I've if, never thought it worked. If anything, you want to get – I saw a few times they sent Ugo on a blitz. He has to get there. They sent Quentin Dunbar on a blitz today. They sent <laughs> but he Ugo. Didn't get there. They That's sent the, Ryan Neal on a blitz today. They didn't even get there. It just doesn't well, – Ryan Neal made one good play. That was a uh, TFL, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, but they sent him on other plays where it just didn't work. There's a reason Jamal is so good at the thing, right? Because it's it's a thing. It's not just a DB is sent and he makes said play. No, no, no. You <laughs> need to be, be good. good at the, the thing. <laughs> um, so there, there, there was that. That's how I feel about like that particular sub package. I would scratch that from the books. We'll get to Ken Norton later, but like that's let's let's pick that up, ball it up, and throw it in the trash bin. Kobe, like you know, R.I.P. So the other thing is. Um, Okay. I don't know what to make of the secondary, and that's going to sound weird. Well, that leads back to the pass rush. You know why you don't have anything to make of it because they have nothing to show for. They can only do so much. So so here's why. There's, I think we've mentioned it before. I said oh, it on the we show. Have. <laughs> There's the, the, the unit that they expected to play their top four DBs, Jamal Adams, Quandre, Quinton, and Shaq. That foursome has played 77 snaps together this season we are in week seven they've played 77 total snaps that foursome 68 of those by my count is i haven't like got an advanced number anybody to confirm but by my count 68 of those were against the falcons and then the next nine of those were against the patriots in the first drive of the game and quandre gets knocked out right so these i think that group in particular because um, in the that group basically gave a bunch of garbage yards to Matt Ryan. They were, like, solid for the most part together. Like, the big play they gave up was one Quentin or Shaq and Jamal ran into each other. Calvin really was wide open. Um, so, like, I think that unit can be good. But I think what we're learning here is, like, there's really, really no depth. Right? Like you can't just plug in Ryan and expect to get what you get from Jamal, even if Ryan's good. Even if Ryan's a potential starter in this league, which I think he is, even if Trey Flowers is a starter in this league, which I think he is too, um, it's not enough to make up for the pass rush lack of the lack thereof up front. Because I think 
when we t- at least I know my opinion all offseason was that I thought the secondary would be so elite it would help. <laughs> and I do I don't rule out that that can still happen because you, you got it because the dudes I thought was going to be elite ain't played. Jamal no, Jamal ain't played since week 3. Yeah. So but even then the sacks were coming from him and that still wasn't I mean that's still sacks though. Now they're is. not getting anything. They, it is. So there's three numbers today that are very bad, Chris. Let's go with them. You want to hear these numbers? I don't, but throw them at Here me. Here we go. All right. Bad number 1. Kyler Murray dropped back 50 times. He was sacked zero times. No, you didn't say zero. Zero, Chris. Bruh, not zero. one. Z-E-R-O. I'm spelling on this podcast and doing math. We're doing mm. everything today. Z-E-R-O. All right. Want to hear the second bad? I really don't. Okay, here we go. <laughs> it is another zero, but this time it represents quarterback hits. Quarterback hits are basically how they're, everyone knows kind of how they're, they're scored, but basically if Kyler throws it and gets rocked, QB hit. Right, even if he gets it off, keep hit. hit. Right, so it's not like when you hit him when he runs. That's why Ryan Neal doesn't have uh, he has a TFL but doesn't have a QB hit because on that play Kyler was a runner. Um, so you have zero there. Want to hear another one? Mm, not really, but go ahead. I'm gonna give it to you anyway. All right. Then the, the third <laughs> stat is one. That is the number of passes defensed the team had today. On how many how many uh, attempts did he have? Let me pull pull that up real quick. Forty eight, ridiculous. Forty eight pass attempts, one pass defense, and I'm pretty sure it was Quandre's interception. Interception, right? Which was like you said, just sailed, basically came right to him. So you got forty on uh, forty seven other passes, no breakups, no picks. Chris, that is bad. I don't know those three numbers right there. If we're gonna blame the defense for anything, that that's just what it is, right? That those three numbers tell you everything. Dude was dropping back and doing what he wanted. Like, do I think Kyler Murray is better than Russell Wilson? No, no, I do not. Is Kyler Murray in a better position to play better than Russell Wilson, which he did on Sunday night? Yeah, because one dude. How many times was Russ hit today? I think eight times. Oh boy, I gotta do more math. Three by Reddick, one by somebody named Thompson, Four, one by another dude with a Hispanic five, name. That's five. Six. Byron Murphy, six. Seven. Okay. Eight. Is it nine? Yep. Okay. Yep, that was yep. off. So we but got nine. nine QB hits on Russell, right? So we got one guy getting hit nine times on 59 dropbacks, uh, sacked twice, and you got who knows how many pressures, right? And you got one dude back there ain't getting touched. Hey. Part, of, part of him not getting touched is because he's so damn fast. True. Um, but and you can only get a QB hit when he throws it, too. That's important. Because, like, one time Bobby had him wrapped up. Yeah. But then he got out of it. Yes. That's not a QB hit because he ended up running. Getting away. Yes. So they were getting some pressure on him. That's why pressures are really important um, as a stat. But, Chris, I don't really know how you fix that. Like, I think the defense hit a bottom today. That was my big concern was against a scrambling running back or running back, a scrambling quarterback that can create. And Kyler Murray fits that profile of a guy that on he can he can throw on the move. He can create off of anything. If there's a breakdown, as you saw with Bobby Wagner, he was able to swiggle out of that, which we thought probably everyone thought was going to be a sack, but he somehow escaped it and was able to create something. That was my biggest concern because against non-mobile quarterbacks, if you get pressure on them, they can't go anywhere. It's either you throw it away or you take a sack, right? Well, against a Kyler Murray here, you have to face twice a year. If there's no pass rush and he's back there chilling, he can create something. 
And that's what Russ has been able to do in his career, and that's what makes him so elite is he's able to create things if there's no pass rush. I mean, we saw a couple of times tonight where Russ dropped on Sunday night where Russ dropped back, mm-hmm. and he was like, well, shoot, no one's open. And you're probably in your head, throw the ball away. But he's able to make something, and something opens up, first down, you name it. Right. Kyler Murray was able to do that tonight against the Seahawks, and that was my biggest concern coming in with this pass rush because, again, they're going to face Kyler Murray. Who else they got? Oh, they got uh, Josh Allen. Well, he'll make more mistakes, but yes, hopefully, yeah, you want him to make more mistakes. But I mean that they have to get they have to find a way to get pressure. Yeah, and maybe they'll get some pressure on the future guys, but not anybody else in the division. They'll get pressure on like Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold and whoever the hell is starting for yeah. Washington by week <laughs> fifteen or whatever. <laughs> guys that can't get out the pocket or you're you're screwed because or just stink. Yeah, you're just either gonna throw it away or take a sack. But when you have someone dynamic as Kyler Murray that can, oh, I can create something. I don't need to just throw it away. I can use my quick feet. Who's he, who's he running like tonight, Mike? Any? I still think he was running like a a, a baby that 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 stole something. <laughs> he was running like uh, Stewie Griffin. He was out of there, and that's the problem. And hopefully, the Seahawks they had to figure something out. There's, I mean, Ken Norton. If it's a zone blitz, the Steelers did a, do a lot of zone blitzing where they can they'll have T.J. Watt drop back and they'll send in a linebacker or a safety. The Seahawks have to do something where they can get pressure. To be fair, the Seahawks do do stuff like that. it needs to work. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. That's the, like Jay Reed drops into coverage now. If you notice, like, I I've haven't seen, seen that. Yeah, yet. yeah. Did he, he do it tonight? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay. did it tonight too. Uh, shout out, shout out. Uh, to, I can't remember dude's name right now. I think he works for the Sports Illustrated joint. He did a good breakdown on like they have Jay Reed dropping into coverage. I asked Jay Reed about it on a Zoom once. I was like, "How you feel dropping into coverage?" He's like, "Yeah, whatever. Do whatever you gotta do. It's just not working." Like you. Okay. Said. Well, they need. It, Keep trying new things because they got to figure out a way to consistently get that off, get an offense uncomfortable. Give them something they haven't seen before. If they've seen Jay Reed dropping the coverage and they're not breaking a sweat on it, that's a problem. There needs to be, oh, Jay Reed dropping the coverage. So who's coming? Oh, bam, it's a sack. I didn't even know. That's right. what you yeah, want to yeah, see. Yeah, 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 and yeah. they haven't figured that out. And I didn't even notice it. You're like, no, Chris, they're, they're doing it. It's just not working. Yeah. I'll have to go back and watch the 22 film I'll and show see you. it. Yeah, but yeah. That has to be more of a thing where they try new things, and if it doesn't work, you gotta find something quick and new because we're already on week eight coming up. <laughs> and yeah, they're not they they have they're like they have a good number in sacks, but it's just not like it's not anything reliable. It's and an I, unsustainable method of getting to the quarterback. And I don't want to come down hard on this team as if they're one and five. They're five and one. Let's make that very clear. Well, they're they're still the team itself is is got a good record, but the defense like. This is a one in five defense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For sure. 
Like this is a this is not the defense of a team that ha- would have a winning record. They're giving up explosive plays. Quarterbacks are having we'll just, great days we'll against just them. Pluck Russell Wilson out, and you put in anyone else. There you go. Put it this way before we go. I got to, before we go to, uh, I want to get to something Bobby Wagner said today. Um, but before we get to that and the questions, the, the Cowboys are a good example of what the Seahawks would would be without Russ. Right? If you were to, like, look how bad the Cowboys look. Yeah. You plucked Dak. All you did was basically. I think they lost a lineman too. So to be fair, you plucked Dak and a lineman. Um, honestly, yeah. Let's pluck Russ and Mike Ayupati, who didn't play today. Pluck Mike. Pluck. Uh, yeah, and pluck Russ. They're the Cowboys. Yeah, that's the Cowboys. Five hundred nineteen yards of offense today, <laughs> man. That's not gonna get it done. And Bobby Wagner, uh, I think the the angriest I've seen him is after they lost to or after they beat. Dang, I think the Cowboys. I want to say he was really whatever what episode we had where oh Shaq and him were pissed. Yeah, it was Cowboys, right? Because Shaq was pissed too. That's what it was. He was really upset today too, and it wasn't like a. You know how, like, your parents get mad at you for something and you get cussed out, right? Like, they wild out on you, whatever. You get a whooping, maybe, depending how old you are, right? And then the next time you do something like they're so mad at you, they can't even yell because it's not anger. It's, like, disappointment. That's even worse sometimes. That's the worst feeling. It's like if you do something and my dad's like, I'm not even mad. I'm disappointed in you. That hurts a lot more. I'd rather just get cussed out. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. where Bobby sounded like he was at today. Like, this is Bobby Wagner. Uh, during his Zoom after the loss. We're not where we want to be, and uh, it's going to take some focus and some, you know, at this point, you just got to make your mind up and say you want to play good defense, period. And that's how Bobby opened. And so when I heard that, I asked him, I said, okay, what have you seen to make you confident that you guys are mentally capable of having the attitude you need to bounce back? And here's what he said. You know, we have a lot of talent in our locker room. We have a lot of guys coming back. You know, we have a lot of, we have the ability to improve. We just have to make our minds up and that's, that's it. No more talking, no more saying what we're going to do. We have to go show it. So at this point, I, I don't have no words for you. It's either we do it or we don't. Yeah, I think Bobby said it best, man. You're either going to play good defense or you're freaking not. Plain and simple. Let's get into these questions, which I'm sure, Chris, will be about the defense. Well, let's get right to it. Our first question, it is in constant shootouts. The Seahawks are always in constant shootouts and always having the offense win games. Is this play sustainable for a Super Bowl run? Um, I wouldn't say, Well, first I wouldn't say it's always the offense that has to win it. The defense won it twice um, against Dallas and New England. So to be fair, um, in, the, in terms of the making the play at the end of the game. Uh, but no, I don't think this is a sustainable model. I just think in the playoffs... You're probably going to, to be honest, I'll be honest with you guys, I think nine times out of ten in this new playoff format, the team with the one seed is going to get the Super Bowl going to, like in each conference. I really don't think you're going to get a lot of teams. If the if bo- if everyone stays like relatively healthy, obviously someone loses their QB or the left tackle, this may change. But for the most part, the team that gets the one seed just has a much greater shot of winning or getting to the Super Bowl. So I view all of this in like what is your chance of getting the one seed? This is not a sustainable way of getting the one seed. You just can't ask Russell to be near perfect uh, every week and have a defense that gives up so many yards. It's not that they're just, yeah, man. the answer is no. Sorry, I'm not going to go too long. The answer is no. This is not sustainable. Without pressure on the quarterback, you're not going to win a division, let alone the conference. And he tells it off with, appreciate the work you guys do. Much love. Well, much love to you as well. Thank you, man. Next up, 
Why didn't the Seahawks use any of their 30 plus million dollars in cap space to help the pass rush and keep it a hundred? And don't say they did signing by by signing Bruce or Ben Simeoa. Hashtag Seahawks man to man. So <laughs> they did use some of the 30 million on Bruce and Ben Simeoa. Like they did, right? That they, they did that. We talked about it at the time. I we named plenty of guys they should have probably went after. I think Shaq Lawson might have been on the list calling uh, it. You did a whole story on it. Yeah, like it was a um it was a couple couple dudes that were, were out there. Uh Clowney, obviously. Like there was dudes out there. They did use some money, but we were critical of some of them contracts at the time. I thought the Greg Olson contract was a little was bad at the time. Um Yeah, they, they should have. And they just didn't. I don't know, to be fair, I don't know how some of those other guys um that they didn't pay for are how they're doing. That I don't know. Like they didn't go after Yannick. Um He's doing okay. They didn't go like Clowney. I don't think has a sack this year either. Um, who are some of the other guys? Like I'm, Carl, dude. There was another one that Miami signed. I think I mentioned Lawson. They would have had to trade for Matt Judon. They would have had to trade for Bud Dupree, who I think is now hurt. No, Bud's cool. Devin Bush is hurt. Um, so there was there's some guys out there, but yeah, they should have. <laughs> to say the least, they, they should, should have. have. They <laughs> should have. They should have. I'll just, I'll just say that. Let's keep going. Is there any indication of a disconnect or frayed relations between Pete Carroll and Ken Norton? You know, that's a good question. I could look into that and talk to some people. I would never get anyone on the record about that. Off the top of my head, I would say no. Because I'm pretty sure that when they're watching the film, there are plenty of moments there where the call is fine and the execution is poor. Like, I'll point to one today. Um... They have a good defense called. Uh, it's the it's one of I think it's probably Kyler's first touchdown, maybe the second one. Um, they have he they um, man I'm stuttering on my words. Jordan Brooks and Shaq are both looking in the flat. They both jump the same flat route. Exactly. Christian Kirk runs about. right by Shaq. Touchdown. touchdown. Right. If you're Ken Norton, you're like players run own. the call. Like, yeah. I I've, that probably was some. Uh, what was that? What was that probably like? Cover it was cover three. Three in and that situation? And you have the linebacker in the flat. Yeah. And Shaq is supposed it's to be over top covering the deep ball. Which yeah. In the red zone, it's like basically you got, you got to the you got pylon to pylon probably. Yeah. So instead, he tries to jump the flat. Yeah, they both did. And they both, yeah. <laughs> Jordan can do that. That's his job. Shaq, not <laughs> supposed to probably. And boom, you got a touchdown. You're Ken Norton. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do? I called the right play. They execute the thing. Or even um, on the other touchdown that they had after Benson Mayoa's uh, leap, they got called for a leverage thing. If you look at it, he uh, Kyler throws it to Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk breaks a tackle from Quentin Dunbar at like the three and walks into the end zone, falls into the end zone. If you're Ken Norton, it's like, hey, I called the defense. The dude's there. You got to tackle him. That's it. You got to also account for like broken tackles, and that's just – I'm not going to blame him for how to coach the tackling. I think they already have a way to coach the tackling. Chris, if I was a defensive coordinator, you were a defensive coordinator. Pete ain't going to let us coach tackling different. They already have a Seahawk <laughs> tackle. They got a name for it. So, like, I'm sh- in that regard, I'm sure Pete understands that, like, what we're doing is probably about as much as we can humanly or, uh, do just to try to generate some pressure and get off the field. It's just not working. That said, Ken ain't just totally just infallible. Like, he's doing some bad things, I think. We'll get into those, too. But I don't know if it's enough to strain that relationship. I'd have to do some investigative work. Let me get back to you on that. A lot didn't work for the Seahawks tonight, but what did work? What under-the-radar positive, if any, can the Seahawks take away from this game? Okay, I got one I got one underrated positive, because obviously Tyler Lockett having one of the greatest receiving games in NFL history, super positive. 
The other positive that's underrated is that when they were running the ball with people who weren't Chris Carson, they were having success. And mostly, it was Carlos Hyde. Uh, I had looked at the expected points added numbers before this game, and basically everyone who ran the ball that wasn't Chris Carson sucked at it. Basically, is what was the case before this game. Carlos today was really good. That's actually really positive. Travis, still not as much. Um, so basically, if Chris, because Chris got hurt, Chris has a foot sprain. So if Chris has to miss time, I am confident that they'll be able to run the ball with some success going forward without Chris. Before, I was not. Now I feel a little bit better about it. This is one of those typical tough Seahawk losses that can either light a fire under their ass or hurt them even more. How do you think the boys rebound after Sunday night's loss? You know, I think the offense will be fine. Because like even Russ said, we played fine. There was three bad plays. They were all me. I'll fix those. Russ deserves the benefit of the doubt in that regard. I don't know how the defense will respond based. It depends on how they, they take Bobby's words. I don't know how enough of these guys are built mentally. I have a decent idea, but not 100% sure. Like, I'm not really sure how Ugo is built in that way. I'm not really sure how LJ is built in that way. I'm not sure how, like, Benson and even Quandre, you know, to some extent, Quentin. I just haven't spent a ton of time around these these guys to really know. Um, because Bobby Engel, it doesn't sound like he screamed at anybody. It doesn't sound like he cussed nobody out. It was very simple, like, I'm going to lose faith in you if you don't do your job. And that's it. It won't be no fight. We're not going to fight. Ain't going to punch nobody. Or throw nobody in no trash can. Spit on nobody. It's just going to be. Yeah, that was intentional. Uh, <laughs> it's just going to be. I'm not going to believe in you. And once your teammates don't believe in you, that's it. Because it's a brotherhood, right? So I don't know how the defense will respond. They've responded well to some things in the past. Like when the the, the, the projector got broken in against the Green Bay game in 2018. When Jaron Reed and uh, Frank Clark talked to the defense before the London game in 2018, uh, this against the Vikings before that game, Jay Reed talked to the defense and showed them the LOB footage, like showed them a whole presentation, um, and then they proceeded to give up 200 yards on the ground. So I'm not really sh- no, serious. Like I'm not really sure how they're gonna r- respond here. I think these the only like you know in the movie they got the speech, they rally you and you win the big game. This ain't no movie. Like it's, it's, you can't call Pacino in. Yeah, but one inch. Yeah, it's like you can't <laughs> do that. Like that's it. You, uh, I like Gridiron Gang, like The Rock's character. Like, oh, that yeah. was that was that was great. There ain't none of that. If you just can't ball, that's why Bobby said that. You either gonna make the player or you not. Like ain't nothing else we can do scheme wise. Nothing. Bobby didn't say that. I'm projecting. You gotta make the play. If you don't make the play, get off the freaking field. It's probably how they're talking. He leaves us with thanks again for y'all's perspective. He appreciates it. And we are easily his favorite perspective on all things Hawks. Appreciate the love, man. Tonight's game was our first game against a team with a current winning record as of week seven. The Seahawks play six more games with going against teams that are above 500, and five of those are divisional. Are we no longer in the honeymoon phase? What are some of your thoughts on the road ahead, standings-wise, NFC? I don't think they'll get the one seed like this. That, that's, they can still win a division like this, but they won't get the one seed like this. You won't. You just can't. Not when Tampa Bay just got A.B. and Green Bay is kicking ass, right? You're just not going to do that, right? So that that's the issue there. I think the other thing is about records. Records aren't really that instructive. Um, that's why these other advanced numbers really matter, like your point differential or your turnover margin or your, your pressure rates or your, your quarterback performance. Those numbers project how you're going to play the rest of the year more than your record does i'm serious about that um 
that's how teams like didn't the team start four and zero once and not make the playoffs and like didn't the Texans start like zero and three and then make the playoffs like you can your record the Falcons I think were one of them that did that if I'm not mistaken a few years back they started really hot and the they lost I think six straight yeah it's like there's teams and the, yeah the Texans one year did ran like nine straight or even um. The Falcons last year, they were like 0-7. And, and then they won their And then last they finished the, the, the back half like 6-2. and two. Um, Because there's certain things that project how good you're going to be. Like our uh, Shil Kapadia at The Athletic, shout out to Shil. He has a new metric that's called like, um, it's like expected, it's like expected power rankings or something like that. Like basically, he's ranking based on like where he projects you to finish. Not where you're at right now, but like based on what you're putting out, where you're projected to finish. I think that's really interesting because if you looked at the Seahawks weren't number one in that they were like four or five because they're how they're winning is so is so like unsustainable once you start projecting to like January you can get through the season like this but once you start playing teams that like whoever it's actually pointed out this is a team that actually knows how to win some games you start playing more teams like this and yeah you're gonna you're gonna get your butt whooped if the secondary can get more playing time together to create chemistry Seems like there's an injury to one of them to prevent that. Is Ken Norton Jr. the right guy to put our hopes on improving the past the the game planning for the defense, or hope Pete takes over? I don't really think. I can't point to a game where Ken had a really bad game plan. It may have been like things in spots, like the dime package. I think. Th- please throw that out. That is just bad. It takes KJ off the field. That should not be the plan. Very serious. Should not be. Um. It, 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 it just should not. So I don't know if the game plans are bad, and I don't know how much necessarily is Pete's philosophy versus the individual game plans that Norton has control over because they do some soft coverage stuff that I don't like. But I think that's kind of always been their thing uh, as well. So, ah, man, and it sucks too because I think the secondary is not going to get a chance to play. I'm pretty sure Shaq's not going to play next week. right? So you're going to play the Niners with, at the very least, you don't have your number one corner. So that's not good. You might have to play without Jamal. Don't know if Jamal is going to play. So you could have a secondary next week that looks like the one that finished the game today, which is Quentin Dunbar, Trey Flowers, Ryan Neal, and Quandre Diggs, which not great. Um, so, I mean, they could win the game for sure, but it's just on paper, it's not as good as they would like it to be. That's all. Um, so, yeah. I, is there, There's more Ken Norton questions, right? Because I think we got to, you know what? Let's just. Let's have the Ken discussion here now. Let's just do it. Because I know there's going to be some questions, and we'll just skip them if we have I don't know if Ken Norton Jr. is a good defensive coordinator. I lean toward the answer being no. Because he has now been a defensive coordinator, what, in two different spots? Oakland in here. And the defenses have not been good. So if you were in charge of defenses, the defenses haven't been good. Even leading that leads me to believe you will not be good, right? And then, Chris, there's a bunch of other questions about like Ken Norton, Dan Quinn, right? Like, do we have okay? I'm gonna just try to rope these in here. It's okay if you if you're right now a Seahawk fan and you're like, Mike, Chris, I just want them to fire Ken. I don't give a damn who we hire, just get Ken up out of here. I feel you, you know, like. I, I get you. I do. I understand. I really don't have an argument against that. I really do not. I Two things I'll say about that. One, you're not going to be able to hire someone externally. You're probably just going to promote like Andre Curtis or um, 
Clint Hurt or John Glenn or somebody. You're just going to promote someone else who's already here. So you're not going to do a ton of new things, right? Part two of that. I do not think Dan Quinn is the answer. I talked about this last show. I'll talk about it again. I, shout out to Ted Wynn. I tweeted the link this time. He has a film breakdown. I think the headline is, What Happened to Pete Carroll's Coaching Tree? It's very good. You read, you read that, right? Yeah. So the thing it points out is that you need elite players to have elite defense. You need good players to have good defense. This defense, for the most part, has about four and a half good players. Half. Somebody's the half. I ain't going to say who's the half. But there's some halves out there. So, and there's some guys who play good in, like, spots. Like, Monet plays good in spots. Like, it's just the, there's spot guys. And then it's just, like, good players. Without them guys, you're probably going to stink. Right? So, Dan Quinn was a re- He had what? He coached the best defense of all time, probably. One of them. Top three defense of all time. Legion of Boom, 2013. And he's had, like, one good defense since. <laughs> Maybe, like, two two elite defenses maybe uh, since then he just got fired because his defenses stunk they were unprepared they were undisciplined they just didn't do things well and he got canned i do not think that if you bring in somebody who who has for the most part only had an elite defense when he had earl thomas you bring him here and you do they have earl chris (laughs) well they did they don't now they do not now. So you bring him in did. and you don't have Earl. If you've only ever had a great defense when you had Earl, you probably weren't the great coach. It probably was great because you had Earl. Like, that's just my thought on that. So I'm with everyone who's thinking, Mike, we got to get Ken about the paint. I understand. I hear you. I feel you. I got nothing to get. Do you have anything against that, Chris? The only thing I have against it is who you want to bring in who's going to take over because if it's not Ken who's next they got rid of Chris Richard and we thought that was a terrible move yeah I never we never liked that move. that and it's still I mean that's someone you if you want to bring someone if you want to fire Ken Norton I hope you're calling Chris Richard I don't know if you can fix everything that's going on but he was doing pretty good without the Legion of Boom and the Seahawks were like no you're not doing good enough. Yeah, he got canned. And then, honestly, when he left Dallas, they got worse. That is true, yeah. So you Look at him now. To, yeah, no, that may be a whole other discussion. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at on Ken Norton and Dan Quinn. It's like, I understand the frustrations. Like, yo, let's get Ken out the paint. And you, like I said, I don't have an argument. There is no good argument right now to keep Ken. Because the defense is, like, just bad. It's bad, like, every week. Other than the Dolphins game pretty bad like even it was good in the first half against minnesota and then got bad like if i don't know so that that's kind of where i'm at with that i know there's some questions there um and if i answered like five people's questions through that so be it but i, I don't know i just had that in me it's just, no you're I knew good it was coming we're good because i feel like every question is building to like mike are they gonna fire ken norton it's like i don't know probably i guess i should answer that too do i think it'll happen no. Do I guess that's I, I don't have nothing else. That's that was perfect. It. Yeah, I don't think it'll happen. The next question could it is, though? Yes. The next one is where does the defense go from here? So I will I, I will say this for Ken. He's trying just about everything I would try. It's a lot more zone blitzing than I think I would try. But the problem is if you do a lot of man blitzing. You're, you, you have guys turning their head away from the quarterback. So the problem with someone like Kyler is you got your corners. If you got guys blitzing and you got guys 
running a, like their back is turned to someone like Kyler Murray. Perfect example would be Russell Wilson that happened tonight. Everyone's manned up and yeah. they're running across the field and Russ just runs up the middle of the field. Right. Because if your blitz doesn't get there, no you, man's you're, land. Yeah, you're, exactly. <laughs> you just got, you're giving up a big play, right? So I would probably do a little different, but that, I mean, that's just what it's like pick your poison, right? It depends on the court. Like I would maybe man blitz someone like Jared Goff. But or not Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, but not necessarily Kyler or even Josh uh, Josh Allen. I wouldn't even really man, but it's like Daniel Jones that much because he can move. Yeah, he might miles he might hour. fall on his own, <laughs> but he can move. Uh, that was bad. Uh, yeah. So I don't. I really don't know where they go. The only here's okay. I got one more thing. You're good. I'm long winded on this, but I feel like everyone wants to know about the defense, so I feel good spending some time on it. The only other thing I could think of is if they were just going to go straight up like a Todd Bowles. Wade Phillips, um, what was that old defensive coordinator from the Steelers name where it was just it would just kind of just havoc. Like you would come to the line and all eleven guys would be standing up. They'd be have no one in the ground, everyone's moving around, tons of blitzing. Kind of like the Ravens do now. The Ravens defensive identity right now is like create chaos that you can't respond to. That's basically it. One play we might bring Marcus Peters, the next play we might bring Earl Thomas, the next play we might bring Patrick uh Marcus Peters. No, you said Marcus Peters. The linebacker they just drafted over. Uh, Queen. Yeah, it might bring him. The next play, we might bring Marlon Humphrey. The next play, we're going to bring nobody. Right? The next play, like, they just, they, their job is create havoc and you just can't keep up. We got you on your heels versus you having us on our heels. I think the, um, the Bucks are pretty similar in that way. Todd Bowles, again, is who I mentioned. They bring it to you, so you have to think. Because, you know, defenses, they're reacting. The way those guys. Uh, design it we're making you react on offense that would be the only thing I could think of that would be like screw it we're just gonna bring everybody like Quandre you're capable of calling on a blitz all that they're trying but good god it's just not working why does it seem like fans want to blame Carroll for all the losses and credit Wilson for all the wins aren't they tied at the hip when it comes to their success um that's a good question and I th- here's the reason why I think that We've reached a point as a as a as a fan base and a media that we can probably assume that most of Russell Wilson's success has come in spite of Pete for like the last like four years. Uh, the first four were probably mostly Pete and Bevel, and then the last four mostly like Russ has become an elite dude. And once he took the reins off, Russ ele- uh, elevated into MVP level guy. So because of that, that's the whether you agree with that thought or not, you have to accept that that's kind of where we are in Seahawks land, that that's the thought. So because that is the thought, when Russ plays well offensively, it's because he is good. It's not because Pete made him good. It's not like Andy Reid helping you. No, like it, when someone plays well in the Andy Reid system, we clearly know it's Andy Reid. Same thing with Sean McVay or... Um, what's the other dude's name? Kyle Shanahan. Like we know that when a, someone plays good, it's probably because they helped them play good offensively. It's not that way with Russ. The second part of that answer is Pete's a defensive guy and the defense thinks. <laughs> like that that that's the the shorter version of that. When the defense gives up five hundred and nineteen yards, Pete's a defensive guy, defense blows, well, then it's on you. That's why he gets a lot of blame because we always usually point to the defense in a loss. Because especially this year, they're giving up like thirty points a night. Do you believe the whole MVP discussion is in Russ's mind. There have been way too many interceptions this last few weeks. It feels like he wants to be smarter than everyone else, even smarter than his receivers. What's your take on that? 
No, I don't think he's outsmarting his receivers. Maybe he did on the interception in in overtime. That was terrible. Um, but no, no, I I, I don't think so. I, the one thing I'm never gonna really question about is Russell's brain. I mean, he's a brain coach. I'm not gonna question that. I think he he's always wanted to win MVP. It's like he's just comfortable saying it now. He's always wanted. He wanted to win in 2015. Wanted to win in 2017. Like he wanted to win in 2018 like he played really freaking well and each of those years he played better than he ever had and didn't win didn't get a vote um he wants to win so no i don't think that's that that's in his head he's, he's just kind of not built that way when he's on the field he's thinking about one thing is that play whether he does the right or wrong thing on that play is another story but that's really all he's thinking about the fans have lost faith in ken norton what about the players on both sides of the ball yeah, we kind of talked about that earlier. That's a really important thing. Like he can only do like he ain't the one tackling, right? Like he ain't the one missing assignments. Like you got to remember, like the call goes in to Bobby in the headset, and then Bobby relays that to the dudes. Bobby responsible for checks. He's responsible for getting the call to Shaq on the far side or Trey or letting Quandre know he sees something or tapping Jay Reed on the butt to let him know this happens. Like there's a lot of things that happen in the course of a defensive call. Right, so those guys also got to make plays. Like, my mentions go crazy when Trey Flowers gets targeted. Like, some of that is guys like that. Um, so I, th- I think it's it's equal parts. Right? It's not just the coach who's, like, not getting it done. Sometimes it's the players, too. Maybe sometimes a change of scenery works. I'm not sure. I think that's a dangerous concept um, here when you have players like Bobby and KJ who are so close to Norton. Like, they think of him like a father figure. Bruce, too, but he's hurt. Like, that is their guy. So I don't really know if you're in danger of losing your leaders if you get rid of their leaders. So I don't know. But I do think the players deserve blame too. Like you if you just blow coverages and miss assignments, like that's especially if you knew the assignment. Like remember last what game was that? Shaq talked about like he was thinking too much or oh he fell asleep. He said he fell asleep at the wheel, he got bored, got lulled to sleep. Like what's that got to do with Ken Norton? Your number one corner is falling asleep in the game. <laughs> Seriously, I don't got That's nothing bad. to do with Ken. Right? It, nothing. So, so, okay, I wouldn't say nothing. Maybe some of that is the scheme not playing to Shaq's strengths, and maybe that is why he's getting bored. But at the end of the day, damn the scheme. You got to do your job. Well, Richard Sherman got bored, and he didn't give up nothing. Yeah, like you, <laughs> you can't get bored with consistency. Like you just, you just can't. So, yeah, it's some of the guys. It's it's their fault too. Like he don't. Ken doesn't tell you to take a bad angle on a tackle. He doesn't tell you to jump out of your gap. Right? He t- you know. It's, it's, it's the players too what was the biggest play of the game mm. so I would say the biggest play of the game is probably so for my money it's the David Moore holding call and it was a hold it was a hold would I have expected them to call that no mostly because this is a year where I think it's the lowest penalty uh, holding penalties like in, in years um, and the other reason I wouldn't expect it, Chris, it's almost like, you know how, like, if you drop a play for, like, Ray Allen, and he comes off, like, a couple screens, or, like, Steph Curry or something like that, and they catch it and hit it, and then they call, like, a, a legal screen. It's like, come on, man, like, we've been screening like that all game, and you can call it now with the game on the line, like, I think that, nah, nah, it was a hold, it was a hold, it was bad. Either that or the rest is pick. I would probably go, because Demo's play, the game is over. Game is over, DK scored. It's not over uh, when Russ throws the pick. It's over if if David Moore doesn't get called for holding. Why are the Seahawks so conservative on the third and two with one minute remaining left in the fourth quarter? Why not go hard for the first down? 
Man, this is just a uh, lose-lose for Shoddy. It really is. Because I remember there was a game, I want to say the Patriots game, where it was close like that. They threw it, and then everybody in my mentions like, nah, man, we got to run the ball. <laughs> Why would you do that? Stop the clock. And I'm like, no, throw it. Put the ball in the hands of your best player. Today, he... Uh, Today he runs it, right, with Carlos Hyde, I think, gets stuffed. And it's like, oh, no, why didn't we put the ball in the hands of our best player? Throw it. It's like, okay, you guys are killing me. But you guys want. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. That's why Shadi doesn't really care about that type of stuff. Um, I, in every situation, in every short yarder situation with the game on the line, I would put the ball in Russ's hands. Fairly simple. That's just my rule of thumb. That's what I would do every time. Would I get it every time? No. But neither do these guys. There it is. <laughs> is it time to trade Bobby Wagner? Hawks need D-line help, capitalize, serious help right now. Uh, I'm going to treat the question seriously, though. It does not deserve that. It does not. I repeat, it does not. However, I'm going to do it. The answer is no. Because let's just pretend in this fairy tale world that even makes like a lick of sense. It does not. It does not. It makes zero. But... The main reason it does not is because if you fix one problem by creating another, you haven't changed anything. It's almost like in those time travel movies where you they go back in time and they, they like they stop the guy from jumping off the ledge or whatever, stop the person from drinking the poison, and then they still end up dying. Um, like because you realize if you change one like you didn't really change anything at all. I think there's a Harry Potter movie about that. I think it's the fifth one. Uh, have you seen the Harry Potters? No. No, okay, so you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, like, in all these time travel movies, usually you go back. You like Deja Vu. My favorite film, Denzel. man. Right, yeah, that movie's terrible. <laughs> they go they go back, and he's trying to change time, but he realizes he didn't really change anything. Right? Like, he says it in the movie. He says, we, by changing one thing, we didn't really change anything. So it's the same thing. If you, tra- if you get rid of Bobby and get... Who's the best pass rusher in the league right now? Ooh. TJ Watt. Who else? Um... But Dupree's been killing. Who has the most sacks right now? It's, it's got to be one of it's. I, th- I think it's the Watt. Ah, I'm. We're just gonna go with Watt. Let's okay. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the best one. Let's just say Bosa's good, right? Too isn't Joey Bosa good? Um, let's say you trade Bobby and you get T.J. Watt. You just call the Steelers and say swap. Okay, well now you need a middle linebacker, guys. Like, <laughs> just traded the captain of your defense who makes all the calls, right? So now you're gonna ask Jordan Brooks in his first year. He's played like, you know, a half a game. Um. It's actually Aaron Donald with seven and a half sacks. Damn, they ain't even played yet. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> even better. You call the Rams, you say, give us Aaron, we'll give you Bobby. They actually might do that. Um, they shouldn't, but let's say they do that. Okay, cool. You got pass rush. Now you need a li- now you need a defensive captain. Now you need a new linebacker. Your backup's a rookie. I guess you could have Cody Barton do it, but right, yeah, you should actually see the face Chris just made. That's not, you can't, no. That's a time travel. You're going back and you're not you're changing one thing, but you're not really changing anything. Have you seen the movie Tenet, by the way? You told me it was a mind yeah, scramble. Yeah, it's, it's another time warp thing. You're going. You, the idea is you like you you can't change fate. That's it. You can't you can't fight fate. What aspects of the defense are fixable? Obviously, they haven't been playing fantastic. What reasonably can be improved at this point of the season? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I think the secondary can get better, man. I really do think it can get better. I think that the the four top dudes, if they play together, they can be good. I really do think that. I, I like especially because Jamal is. A, you know how Russ erases mistakes everywhere else. Yeah. For the most part, I think Jamal can be that too. Just right now, they're not getting there. It's just 
there's a reason they traded two first round picks for Jamal, right? He's hard to replace. Like you can't just replace the right now. Ryan, I think Ryan Neal is a very solid player, and it's not really a knock on Ryan, but put, uh, look at it this way. It'll help you guys see it. Right now, they're replacing a dude that they traded two first-round picks for with a dude who was not drafted at all. Yeah, put it like, let that sink in for a second. I'll say it again. They have Jamal Adams out. They traded two first-round picks for Jamal Adams. They are currently playing a dude in his spot who was not drafted. I think that's the drop off there, right? Ryan's a very good player. I think Ryan's going to play in the league actually for a long time. Someone's probably going to snatch him up. But my point is that you can't just plug anybody in because they were they were counting on Jamal to be competitive. And now they don't have that. That's the main thing. Get Jamal back and then let, let, let's talk again. Get Jamal back and Shaq back and then let's talk. When would that be? That would be the Buffalo game? Yeah. Buffalo game. Got all four dudes back. Talk to him. How did Tyler go for 200 yards? Oh, man. Because Tyler is a top 10 route runner. Whatever, man. Yes, he is. Great question. Who asked that? I'm not giving no plugs. Okay, fine. That's <laughs> fine. That's we got to keep it even. No, keep no. it fair. Okay. <laughs> How's the key to Leeb's retirement going? Hopefully, it's going really poor. And they call him out. Ret- <laughs> nah, I'm playing. I, I don't think they need a key. I don't think, I, I don't think so. I think you got to change. Because I honestly think Shaq and Quentin are decent corners. I really do. I really do think that. I just think they're missing a Jamal. I think you got to have Jamal. It's just not. It doesn't work without that. Do you think the Seahawks should trade for J.J. Watt? Okay. I'm going to cover all the trade questions right here. I'm going to try to lump them. So I think your options here are J.J. Watt. Um, you're not going to trade the Bengals for Dunlap because I don't think the Bengals make trades midseason. I feel like they never do. So you got J.J. Watt. Uh, was it Tack McKinley in, in Atlanta? I think he might be hurt, though. And then you have um, Kerrigan in Washington, and then there's one more. No, 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 that might be it. And then you can like maybe sign Clay Matthews. So I, th- I think that's it, to be honest. And I don't think that trading for actually all those are legitimate. But we're gonna focus on the Watt one for a second. I don't think they're gonna be able to do that, just because I think other teams that are in contention can ha- offer better things. And by better things, I mean a first round pick. You gotta get a first round pick for JJ Watt. If Bill O'Brien was still running things in Houston, I'd be like, yeah, you could send them like DK Metcalf's left shoe, and they might just give you JJ Watt. Like I would really just think that would be the case. But I don't. I forget the guy who's running things over there in Houston. I just don't think he would do that. There's other teams that would get like the Packers would probably give up their first round pick for JJ Watt. Right? Isn't JJ Watt from Wisconsin too? Like, like I think they would do that, and you can't really fight that off to get JJ. You'd have to give up this number two, your second round pick, and a decent player. Like, you'd have to give, because their defense is bad, right? So they probably want, like, you probably have to give them, like, Quentin Dunbar and your number two. Or you have to give them, like, Shaq. Yeah. Yeah, like, are you willing to give them, like, your number two and Shaq? So then you fix, that's what I'm saying, you're you're, you're fixing one problem, creating another. But what, what do you think about that idea, Chris? So you give them Shaq. So your you your your new starting eleven is JJ Watt, Jaron Reed, Benson Mayoa, LJ Collier, Bobby KJ, Jordan Brooks, Quentin Dunbar, Trey Flowers, Jamal Adams, Quandre. I'm gonna be real. JJ Watt has three sacks this season. 
He's had a few injuries his last few years. I'm not liking it, man. I don't know if it. I think you got to go with someone. Yeah, I don't know, man. So you can trade like a fifth for Kerrigan, which I'm cool with. I you think I trade think, like a fifth for Tack McKinley or whatever. That's a tough. JJ Watt, he's just he's a he's well seasoned, man. I mean, the dude has been doing this for a long time. I think this is his last year, if you ask me. Uh, no, he's probably got another year left in him where he's decent. Um, pass rushers have been playing well for a long time. Like even Michael Bennett played a lot for uh into some if anything. Seasons. You might want to go for TJ. No, you can't get TJ. Well, They're not gonna. <laughs> Steelers aren't gonna do that. The only unbeaten team left, right? Like, <laughs> gonna no. give you what? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. If you can get Jay, like that would be, you're gonna have to give up something really important, and it's probably going to have to be a DB because their defense is so bad, and it has to be someone young on a young deal so they can like build with them because they would probably extend Shaq. You know, they'd probably keep him. So because all their corners are bad in Houston. So of all the trade options, I think Kerrigan is probably the most like viable one and yeah to get t to get jj you're gonna have to basically create a, you have to fix one problem and create another so i mean you could but i just don't think it's possible why don't the seahawks throw the quick screen to dk more often i don't know man i see shoddy was following people uh, on twitter uh during the game it was probably his wife that was running his Twitter, um, but I'm, if if you follow me, I'm about to hit him up and be like, "Yo, run only run that play to DK and run it a lot because they're playing off of DK now." The Cowboys used to do that a lot with uh, To. Yes, they would just throw it to him and he would just go stiff arm the dude, pick up like nine yards. It's like a run play. Yep, it's easy, right? And on the off chance that he just barrels through the dude's face, it's a touchdown probably. Another good positive right so there. I'm a DM Shadi and let him know that. Why are other teams able to successfully blitz and Seahawks suck at it? Mahalo. Uh, Mahalo, my brother. Um, I don't. Uh, was that a man that asked that? I don't want to be. Yes, it was. Okay, thanks. Um, the Seahawks are actually decent at blitzing. Today they were very bad. Today they were very bad. They had Kyler in the end zone for a safety, whiffed. Bobby missed him. Uh, that dude is just dude is just good. The Seahawks are actually a pretty good decent blitzing team. Um, they just weren't able to today. Why hasn't John Schneider received more blame for the state of the Seahawks defense? I don't know who asked that, but look here. I want you to go back to Monday night on Twitter in Seahawks world and go see why Malik McDowell was trending. People crack on John Schneider all the time about this. They blame him for Tedrick. They blame him for Malik McDowell. Those are all his fault. Um, they blame him right now for trading up for Daryl Taylor, who hasn't played a snap. Like, he gets he gets some blame here for drafting poorly, for sure. Like, he gets some credit where he should, too, for trading up and making things happen. But he definitely catches some heat, especially right now. Like, they, the last defensive player they drafted that made the Pro Bowl was Shaq. Said that was the last one since Bobby, I think. Wow. Yeah. You think Geno could accurately predict the presidential election? I'm not answering any Geno Smith questions on this podcast. Understood. How do you play better? Me, like in flag? Seahawks. Oh. Um, tackle. That's a good one. Yeah, tackle. Missed some tackles today. Last one. What's the bigger penalty? Unsportsmanlike on Bobby. Could have got the Seahawks the ball back up 10. Or the flag on Benson that allowed AZ to get within three instead of seven. Um, I'll probably go with the... F- flag on Benson 
um, I think that increased their win probability a pretty decent amount. Whereas, like, giving them a first down doesn't increase a ton. But, like, the, the worst call is the Bobby call. Because like, I think I tweeted it in real time. Like, Bobby has to play that as if he caught it. Right? Because you can't just say, oh, he didn't catch it, so I'm not hit him hard. That's not how football works. That ball's coming so fast, Bobby just has to react. Um, but Benson's call is just, that's just dumb. You're like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stay on the ground, man. That's just not how... Just not how it's gonna work. Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty bad. None of those are as bad as the, the the David Moore hold though. Not to say that like David's like super in the wrong, but the game was over, bro. <laughs> the game was DK over. DK was celebrating. Like it was over. You could see him. That that looked like how the game was supposed to end. On Poetic the DK joint. Yeah, it was just gonna be so perfect. They grinded out another a wacky win in the desert. Like it, it the script writes itself, and instead, flat. On the game winning, he got a great game winning screen pass, bro. Like, oh, that was that was brutal. That was brutal. Now they're five and one, and they gotta win next week. Yes, gotta win next week, man. You can't just go zero and two in this division to kick things off. No, 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 no. You can't, because then it just evens the playing field. What? Let's assume the Rams beat the Bears. That may not happen by the time people. That could be a bad take by tomorrow night, but. <laughs> Let's just let's just say they do, right? That would make the Rams five and two, Cardinals five and two, and let's say the Seahawks lose to the Niners, Seahawks would be five and two. And, and they lost the, two division and games. And the Niners would be five and three in that scenario. So you would have all at least as of Sunday, like all the teams with five wins. Like that's just Ugh. You can't you can't afford that, man. The defense got like Bobby said. You gotta decide right now. You wanna go to jail or you wanna go home? Pretty that's a Denzel Washington quote. Uh you want to play defense or not? If you don't, get the hell out. If you do, all right, well, buckle your chin strap and let's go. Like Bobby said, period. That's how it is. Other than that, we want to thank you guys for rocking with us on another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We know it was a long one, but we had to make sure we get through all the Twitter questions. We appreciate y'all love and support. Make sure to rate and review the podcast up on Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere, man. That's uh, all that's We're all doing I know. like four pods a week, so we're on everything. On everything. Other than that, anything else you want to add, Mike? Nah, hell no. I'm tired. It's one in the morning. I'm tired as hell. We out. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.